The Kate Daly Show starts now. You guys are probably pretty tired, right? Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Hi there. Welcome back. All right. Happy Friday to you, by the way. I love Fridays. Favorite day. Uh, I'm Kate Daly, your host, Kate Daly Show. And you can go to katedalyradio.com, katedalyradio.com. And you can get the podcast of this episode. Make sure you get over and get Balance of Nature. Make sure you're getting that nutrition. We all need a supplement uh, in this day and age with the way our food supply is going and to even get even a portion of the nutrients. And so um, at least 10 servings. I double mine up. I get about 20 servings a day right now um, just to up my immune system. But if you have autoimmune diabetes, I, mean, I don't care what it is, regulating your blood sugar to, um, I've had friends that were, uh, had cancer and have used this product for the last 10 years and have remained in, in remission. And there's so many cases like that of people that are saying, oh my gosh, this has transformed my health. We need these nutrients. Go to Balance of Nature. You just can uh, take a couple of supplements. Their uh, fiber drink's amazing. And uh, it also has so much in it, like turmeric, all kinds of things that your body needs that have great health benefits. Make sure you're getting Balance of Nature. You can get 30% off just because you're a listener to the show um, and uh, just put in the code Kate, K-A-T-E, when you order. But it is it really is. It is that good. I highly recommend it. Um, I was talking um, about slavery and shining a light on the fact that when you talk about slavery to our, our little kids in the public education system, they're probably going to say Harriet Tubman, right? Um, Harriet Tubman, actually, for some reason, they, they coined her as sort of the mother of this Underground Railroad. But the Underground Railroad um, actually had taken place, had actually started about uh, 80 years, uh, at least 70 years prior to Harriet Tubman utilizing the system. You, Harriet Tubman used it far late in the game. She, that was about 1849, 1850. And then she went ahead and did another 13 additional trips across. Um, across these lines by bringing people through and saved about 70 people. But what I was shining a light on is what our history doesn't say because how much it would change our conversation today. And we wouldn't be talking about reparations. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to have a government and media convincing us that we all hate each other and that we have this huge race war going on that we don't have. And they're, they're pushing it hard. They're trying. And... Um, Back in the day, it was started by white Quakers. It was started by Native Americans. It was started by many, many people, freeborn blacks and also um, ones that had already ex- escaped, uh, joining forces with a lot of Quakers that had a lot of, of money. Um, they had a, you know, a, a definitely a place in society where um, they were esteemed in society, very prosperous, that used their money and supplied all of the things and, and supplied stations along the way of that underground railroad or served as conductors, if you will. They had to change the names of everything. But that actually started um, a lot before that. And I was, I was talking about this in the last hour. Um, you know, one, one of them um, saved about 3,000 3,000 people. Another one, same thing, 3,000 people that he was sort of called the, the grandfather of this movement, the grandfather of this. He was white. Um. We had a lot of individuals and, and congregations and, and Christians and all kinds of people along the way that made that Underground Railroad happen. 
it it didn't just happen because um, because of Harriet Tubman, but but somewhere you know her friend and ended up writing a book about her in the late part of the century, in the late eighteen hundreds, to raise money for her, and that book is what kind of put her on the radar because there were other people like Harriet that did about as much as Harriet did as far as the you know saving uh, you know taking that many trips or saving about seventy people, but there were people that saved far more that that actually I mean used everything they had as well that are never recognized in history ever but we need to do a good job of making sure that our kids understand true history because this is very very important to what i'm about to talk about and that is america in this hour today i'm not going to go to the headlines today i we have enough scary headlines and enough stuff that that we've had to deal with this week that i want to go back to what we're going to fight for because i think where we're sort of missing this piece is they keep talking about white America, our privilege, right? It's really quite irritating. <laughs> Makes me want to slap somebody because I know that we struggled and I know there were all kinds of people that have struggled along the way. And I know that a lot of people, depend, not, not even depending on color, have helped each other along the way. And so when we talk about whiteness, um, you know, let's really talk about whiteness then. Okay, let's go to the let's go. I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about the Europeans that came over and what they dealt with, because I think it's interesting to understand uh, this part of our history that we don't get a snapshot of. And what I'm about to read uh, came from the work of, of Kim Biasinger, but also this was written clear back around the late 70s, early 80s, and it was taken from personal letters. It was taken from people that um, that recorded the, these histories so that they could say, this is what our views were. This is what we thought. This is what it was like coming to America. This is what we were told, okay? This is going to shine a nice light, and, and I hope teens are listening to this. If you have a teenager, if you have a kid, make sure they listen to this hour of the show because we're going to shine a light. I'm going to shine a light on what it was like for the white guy, if you will. Okay, it it hasn't been easy for anyone. Everybody coming, everybody doing their thing um, to talk about white privilege is kind of an interesting, an interesting thing to me. Uh, There were so many whites that, that and congregations of people and so many hundreds of people that made even the Underground Railroad significant, even George Washington. Washington identified that he wanted to be, um, you know, to actually that that he'd be the first one to stand up and say, all right, I'm going to uh, rid myself of the slaves. That's a very accepted practice right now. They 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 did the uh, Declaration of, of Independence for a reason. We developed the Constitution for a reason. And I would just love some truth in history for once. It would be great. So let me talk about this because this is coming from old records and, and, and things. There were five northern European countries. Really? I mean, I mean not, 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 not to question. I'm just saying there were five European countries which share the collective term Nordic. Okay? And uh, there are a lot of, there are very few points of the histories of Sweden and Norway and Denmark and Finland and Iceland um, that uh, when we're talking about these countries and all these people that that were trying to get over here to America at its beginning and Iceland was colonized by Norwegians in the ninth century and then um, and they have a very long history going back I won't uh, go into quite all the details but there were you know Norway was later ceded by Denmark to Sweden and a lot of you listening have a lot of relatives I would I'd have to say in your ancestry, um, who who you'll identify, you know, some of these kind of 
records amongst this this group of people. And so Sweden ruled Finland for over 500 years um, until the latter was ceded to Russia in 1809. And there were Swedes involved in the ethnic group um, known as the, I can't even say this, Finno-Swedes, we can just call them Swede Finns, and their native countries and so forth. So there was a lot that happened before even coming here to America. Um, and uh, and of course, we could, we could talk about that a lot. But let me do this. Let's go into sort of... Um, the term Scandinavian or or getting into what really kind of made up this group uh, of people coming over here. And uh, the Finno, your Greek stock um, com- uh, really encompasses Turkish and Japanese and Korean, too, because there was even slightly oriental cast to the eye cheekbone of many Finns. And they were referred to as Mongolians. And so there was a lot of um, um, very in various ways where uh, where, you know, to say the white guy is kind of an interesting term to me because I'm not quite sure you could really categorize it. There, there were so many there's so many in our ancestry and so many different people um, along the way uh, and their histories are so are so joined at the hip that it'd be hard to say that. So at this time, this great migration over to America, I want to talk about this because this is where this is where it kind of gets interesting to me. This began in, in 1638. A small group of Swedes and Finns arrived to colonize New Sweden settlement, right now known as Delaware. And this great exodus from Denmark and Sweden um, began. Didn't really begin until the the 1840s. We'd already been about 50 years, right, ish. And Norway uh, in the 60s and Finland in the 80s. And so um, they were sort of this 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 huge population movement that came over, and they were seeking religious freedom. Freedom from the Lutheran state church um, and uh, in in the Nordic Im- immigrants anyway, um, to which one was required to pay support regardless of one's belief. You had to attend, you had to practice, and you had to be there. The other dominations, denominations had had begun to spread their influence in those Nordic countries in the early 19th century. But Quakerism reached Norway in the 1820s, um, and that had been um, converted while prisoners were in the um, Napoleonic War. And so unlike the Lutherans, uh, you know, there was all kinds of different things. They didn't baptize or confirm or take communion or anything like that. And the Quaker meetings were banned under the um, uh, their their acts of of, say, government. And so a handful of Norwegian Quakers immigrated to America in 1825. So they were really seeking their religious freedom and. They kind of trickled in over the next decade um, when religion ceased to sort of be the dominant factor in that, especially into that um, uh, immigration. So draft dodging was another motive uh, that drove people to America. A lot of people don't realize that. In each country, military training had been compulsory for all the males between the ages of 20 and 25 um, in the early 19th century. And as the century wore on, a training time was slowly increased. Resentment grew in uh, direct proportion to that. And in the 1870s, a lot of different uh, people were fleeing to America to avoid conscription into the Prussian draft. So Finnish males left 
to avoid the decree of 1878, which was a three-year compulsory military service, and uh, and the Tsar's conscription law of 1901. So there was an overall plan to sort of Russify uh, with the Russians, Finland, and um, and to fight in the uh, Russians rather than the Finland army in the borders of the Russian Empire. So there was a lot that that was taking place at the time, and a lot that they wanted to escape and come here um, to enjoy some of the freedoms over here. And I want to get to sort of the social mores of the time, because there was a, a class conscious uh, early 19th century that went along with this, too. And a man or woman below a certain class level was never honored with the title of Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. Did you know that? Only the upper classes uh, were allowed to, uh, of women, were allowed to wear hats or headscarves. I mean, we had some pretty, pretty big societal rules that came over with us. And I want to talk about their political identification. I also want to talk about um, their um, uh, their their feelings towards America at the time and what they were hearing as they came over. It's very intriguing what they were saying. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. Nothing is more exciting than getting a new hot tub or swim spot. But did you know all the benefits to owning your own hot tub or pool? There's a multitude of reasons and options. Possible weight loss, getting in shape, cardiovascular health, or just improving your overall health. That's why Absolute Comfort Spa and Pool will make it quick, easy, and affordable for you to purchase your own swim spot or hot tub. Learn more today and improve your health at Absolute Comfort Spa and Pool, voted number one best of Southern Utah. The draw is over. The tags are mailed. You've been waiting for this hunt all year. Don't wait until the last minute to get out and find that monster you've been dreaming about. Come to Nielsen RV first. Nielsen RV is having a special for all you hunters out there ready to hit the hills and get that pre-scouting in. We have new and pre-owned travel trailers, fifth wheels, and tent trailers for this year's hunt. And don't forget about our warranty forever. You just can't beat it. Bring in your tags, share a fun hunting story, and get an additional $500 off any unit. Visit us at any of our three locations, St. George Hurricane or Nielsen RV. Happy hunting. Have you been struggling with erectile dysfunction? Hi guys, it's Andrew with Wasatch Medical Clinic. There is now a breakthrough and long-lasting fix for erectile dysfunction that does not require medication, injections, or surgery. You heard that right. No more pills. This new treatment is called acoustic wave therapy. It utilizes an FDA-cleared device that is clinically proven to increase blood flow, exactly what you need more of if you have ED. With just a few short treatments in our clinic, you can eliminate erectile dysfunction completely. Call in the next three minutes and we'll give you the initial doctor's exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound totally free. That's a $300 value. Call now, 435-922-7000. That's 435-922-7000. If you have erectile dysfunction and you're sick of the pills, call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now for that free assessment. 435-922-7000. Doc Utah once again lights up St. George, September 2nd through the 7th, celebrating 10 years of bringing documentaries from all over the world with subjects touching us all in different ways with laughter and tears and opens our eyes to the world. 65 films from 30 countries. Frank Sinatra was Mr. Palm Springs for 36 years. This was such an enclave for celebrities. The perfect retreat. All of the actors and writers and producers. I know 
He built New York, New York for JFK. JFK decided not to stay there. The real innovators of Silicon Valley. In 1990, there was no digital telecommunications industry. It did not exist. There were no digital cell phones. There was no World Wide Web. General Magic creates what happens after the personal computer. So much of what came out of General Magic is the foundation of everything we take for granted today. Tickets at DocUtah.com. Dr. Hall has retired from Imagine Family Dentistry. Thank you, Dr. Hall, for your 42 years. And welcome, Dr. Barton. Imagine talking about baseball and singing classic rock at the dentist. Imagine a stress-free experience and not worrying about dental insurance billing. Imagine saving money every visit, even if you don't have dental insurance. Dr. Barton at Imagine Family Dentistry is the dentist that can speak your language and take care of your dental needs. Dr. Barton loves baseball. He knows all the facts and figures, and he'll make sure you know all the facts and figures about your dental care. He'll tell you what you need. You tell him what you want. He loves classic rock and roll. He can name that tune before you do, and he can see the dental treatment you need before it becomes painful or costly. Imagine a dentist's office where there is no pressure. That's what you get with Dr. Barton. Make an appointment at 435-656-1111 or go to ImagineFamilyDentistry.com. Imagine more. All the heat is here, and if your garage isn't cooled with the ductless Mitsubishi cooling and heating unit, it's likely to become as empty as the desert outside. Let the pros at Air Care Professionals help you reclaim your space by installing a Mitsubishi electric ductless heating and air conditioning unit today. And purchase a ductless system from Air Care Professionals this month and get up to $300 off and 0% equipment financing options OAC. Call the pros at 628-2423 or online at aircarepros.com. And thank you for voting them best of Southern Utah. Want to participate in stock market gains with zero risk? Join Lyle Boss of Boss Financial, Saturday mornings at 9 on St. George News Radio, 1450. Merci, gracias, arigato. But what we mean is thank you. This is Celise from the Travel Connection, and we are so honored that you voted us Best of Southern Utah. We've taken our clients around the world, and our clients mean the world to us. Thank you again from the Travel Connection, where the difference is in the details. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. We've been traveling far. Without a home. But not without a star. Free. Only one will be free. We huddle close. here with you i uh i there's so much to say and i'm going to get to this history because this is so important for us to understand as we talk about as we get accused of white privilege as we're talking about all this today um there wasn't a whole lot of white privilege going on when people left their countries when people had to make those decisions to come here it was for a reason 
and it was because they were up against class uh, class problems. Uh, there was only it was very rigid social boundaries. Um, the um, the upper brackets, you know, of society versus the lower brackets of society. When people came here, when your average white guy, because I'm talking about European countries, I thought I would hit that kind of hard, was because we were all seeking opportunity, all seeking opportunity. And when we were coming here, too, it was it was that people felt like their old country was stagnant, had the opportunity to pick up and, and leave for America because this is where they, they viewed new and free and allegedly classless is what they thought as far as not having the class, the social classes that kept people in a certain spot. And one immigrant wrote home and said, I feel thoroughly at home with the Americans. They are not proud and do not slander their fellow man. Neither are they jealous of their neighbor's success. They are not mammon worshipers to think only of their own welfare. The spirit here is to rejoice in the good fortune of others as well as in one's own. And we are all happy. Kind of makes kind of get a tear in your eye, doesn't it? Because of all the people that came here that were totally seeking just freedom of religion, maybe a chance to improve and also to to be free. This was such a huge idea. This was such an overwhelming opportunity. And a lot that came over in in the immigration pushes that came over from Europe. It was because of economic. A lot of people were unemployed. They were close to starvation because their governments were so oppressive. Didn't matter the color, did it? They were just oppressive. And uh, peace and, and potatoes and, and, and everything else. I mean, they were truly wanting something different. And a Swedish farmer frequently had to divide up the land amongst their sons. Within a few generations, the farms would become so small to support a family. In Norway, the eldest son inherited the land, leaving the younger sons, you know, to go into trades or the ministry. That was actually really sought after during this time. And the inheritance traditions that were kind of coupled with this time um, they, they, they had a lot of tradesmen and clergy. And so um, urban centers were totally uh, inadequate to kind of handle those fleeing overpopulated rural areas until the last few decades of the century when, um, when Scandinavia's Industrial Revolution began creating a, a kind of a vast need for labor. But it was a, it was a complicated situation in which people, um, you know, crop failures and famines and, and economic crises were hitting. So across the ocean, though, there was this vast land called America inviting all these immigrants with the promise of cheap land. So even if the immigrant did not have the funds to purchase land immediately, there were supposedly were jobs that they had heard about in railroads and in mines or labor camps that offered wages um, that just boggled the peasant mind at the time. And so even the average servant girl in America, totally unskilled, fresh off the boat would earn more about six times more in wages than what was the prevailing wage in Finland at the time. That's crazy, right? Uh, And so their idea was, I can't do any worse in America and I may do better. 
And those that left for America only confirmed those tales of the fabulous America in their letters home and the truthful accounts and the sort of matter of pride. And the folk dream of the immigrant was one day to own a successful farm. While in this old country, this had become the sort of unattainable dream. In America, it was now a reality and a reality that spread a few acres of a a European farm into 160 acres of a donation land claim. And so one immigrant wrote, wrote home. Um, in 1860 and said, there is such an abundance of pasturage and prairie that we could have as many head of cattle as we could desire. There is such an abundance here that if I attempted to tell you about it, many would doubt my word and I would not blame them. Uh, God's blessings rest upon everyone who is willing to work. And a lot of immigrants had no intentions of actually settling in America. They planned to reap America's uh, bounty. A lot of them then wanted to go back, but they ended up uh, staying. And they ended up staying because of the religious freedoms and because of, of the general freedom that it had offered um, along the way. And so they seemed... Uh, there was a lot of talk back home, and they would disparage and call the people traitors that left and this isn't a lot of European countries this was going on, and they seem to resent the the um, many of the poor you know flourished you know so well in this new land and farmland was the foremost bait that lured people here. It was just an opportunity to actually have something and, and a little more of it and so um Anyway, kind of interesting, right? Uh, the immigrants would end up working in sort of like um, country kind of favored, um, you know, um, jobs, whether it be carpentry or shoemaking or, or whatever the case may be. It was kind of identified by the country, sort of what you were going to excel in if you weren't farming. But uh, while most of the American letters told of large farms and livestock and prices and wages at the time, some found that America, you know, wasn't the advertised paradise. And a few of them wrote home and said uh, millions and trillions of grasshoppers uh, hiding in the sun, eating up everything. And the farmer generally tended to have, you know, you know, you know, a a vegetable garden and a few sheep and and things like that. But they also figured that they were telling people that so they wouldn't get droves of people coming over competing. (laughs) They were kind of afraid of of having a ton of people over here. So there was some of that, too. And what I'm reading from is is old letters and old books that that contained more of a history of, let's say, the white guy in America, because as we keep getting told about white privilege, so if you're if you're joining this program late today, I wanted to, to hit on what the what they went through, because what they went through was very important to understand the dream of America and why they came and why it wasn't about color and why so many people from so many different countries came and were, were actually really tolerant of each other because they they. They were all in this together for the economic benefit and for the religious freedom benefit. What we've turned into a race war is not, we are not a country having a race war right now as much as the media and the government would like to tell you so. Um, and, and so. They were they would write home and they would say, you know, geez, you know, you could work for a couple of years and it could all be wiped out if you weren't careful. Well, of course, you know, but they were actually trying to get people to go, oh, I don't know if you really want to come over. Um, but not everybody was like that. Land was cheap. And uh, and of course, they, they had hoped to, you know, to obviously make some headway here. And um, 
you know, they, they thought that they're, they were wealthy if they had a couple of cows, five steers, a calf, maybe some hogs, maybe some chickens, and having all the bread and milk and eggs they needed. And that was considered something that they had not been able to take part in. They were so oppressed at the time, uh, depending on whatever uh, government they were coming from. And so in the 1880s, uh, even, a, even a person with a small amount of money could get sufficient credit and backing. And what's funny is from the beer and wine companies to even open their own establishments, why you had a lot of saloons. But within the national groups um, that, that came over, uh, they like the Swedes, they were more inclined to tailor, to be tailors. Norwegians were more into carpentry. Danes were more into blacksmith. Uh, everybody kind of had their thing. And I always kind of find that a little bit interesting because of how we kind of, you know, I mean, honestly, I think it still is today, isn't it? For the married woman or widow, keeping borders at their place of residence was a really common occupation. Um, I don't know if people realize this, but about 19% of the women worked outside the home or worked worked in general to help uh, the situation. And this was one where they didn't actually have to leave the house. And so there were a lot of people running boarding rooms uh, for people that were traveling at the time. They made a lot of money that way. It's kind of like our Airbnb. <laughs> really, we've, we've gone back to Airbnb, have we not? Um, without an inheritance of land, uh, young farmers had little seek, uh, a, a little opportunity to, they, they actually either had to seek a trade or go into the ministry. And it was actually, it was kind of held as a, a great ambition to be a minister at the time. Um, as you go into the history, um, the uh, they had to kind of feel like they were conforming a little bit to the ideal type of American. And this fair complexion Nordic kind of was the physical representation of that or became that. It was sort of the, col- the, the core culture of Anglo-Saxon America. And... Um, you know, it, it wasn't really a color or religion. It was sort of this look that became sort of popular. But they were also known for this caution and being conservative, steadiness, patience, firmness, determination, thrift, health, religion and a sense of family. And that's really what, what was at the core of that Anglo-Saxon American, if you will. Um, as you keep going, um, you had people that, that, that had these kinds of situations. In the late 17 uh, or 1800s, you had a guy that went broke three times uh, in the logging, and logging business before he became a multimillionaire. Would have never happened had he stayed in his native country, but it happened here. And a lot of stories of capitalism shine through in this um, and were glaringly obvious because people just brought it onto themselves on what they could accomplish and they didn't mind the failure. That is something I think that's really, really important for our youth to understand is they did not mind the failure and they were ready for it. And they actually um, they actually were were welcoming of it because they knew that they had an opportunity to get ahead. That's something you don't find under an oppressive government. I don't care what color you are. Um, politics was another field that became really prominent and um What's really interesting about this is when they came over, especially in the mid-1800s, they were following the Democratic Party when they got here. But the issues of civil war and slavery 
defined the Democratic Party. <laughs> so they moved to the Republican Party um, well at the turn of that century. And uh, a lot of the uh, Norwegians that came over, a lot of the Europeans that came over in the Midwest, um, they brought with them these strong populist symp- you know, sympathies. And the second generation of these Europeans were you know, supporting this progressivism and liberalism at the turn of the century. And that meant different things back then. But there were there were uh, two notable uh, notable shortcomings. They were uh, the Democrats were weak in church attendance. (laughs) They were also Democrat, which supported the ideals that they weren't supporting anymore. So they actually were turning to very, um, very Republican roots, which I kind of uh, got a a little chuckle out of. And if you've ever seen any of uh, Dinesh, who I've had on the show multiple times, his um, um, history as he goes back, that's a very interesting history, isn't it, that they don't want to acknowledge. Uh, they are the oppressor of um, of the black populace, the Democrats, but it's it's hard to get uh, anyone to admit that in the media and the government, isn't it? The rags to riches stories that were so inherent in the American system, um, this was uh, an ideal that they were achieving, and it was the um, it was this that was rooted in America, rooted in its ideals, and also as these generations kept coming, they uh, saw a rise in their social and economic position, but it was also difficult to leave their socialist ways behind. And I say that in all seriousness, they had a difficult time. Remember how we talked about the founders being concerned that they were going to assimilate to the American ideology that was new and different? This constitution, it was difficult for them to do that. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. This is Kelly, Marty Lane's wife, and I take Balance of Nature. I started taking Balance of Nature 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at the age of 40. Balance of Nature not only helped me maneuver the awful side effects of daily chemo a little easier, I also truly believe it helped me recover much quicker. When I wasn't able to consume the foods I needed to be healthy, I knew I was getting the vitamins and minerals I needed from Balance of Nature. Now, 10 years later, Balance of Nature is still a part of my daily diet. It keeps me healthy and going even when those around me seem to be getting sick with summer colds and winter flu. Balance of Nature has my vote of confidence. Thanks, Kelly. This is Marty Lane, and we love Balance of Nature. I highly recommend you give it a try and see for yourself. And right now you can try it for 30% off and get free shipping. Just go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code MARTY. That's M-A-R-T-Y. Or call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Nothing is more exciting than getting a new hot tub or swim spot. But did you know all the benefits to owning your own hot tub or pool? There's a multitude of reasons and options. Possible weight loss, getting in shape, cardiovascular health, or just improving your overall health. That's why Absolute Comfort Spa and Pool will make it quick, easy, and affordable for you to purchase your own swim spot or hot tub. Learn more today and improve your health at Absolute Absolute Comfort Spa and Pool, voted number one best of Southern Utah. The draw is over. The tags are mailed. You've been waiting for this hunt all year. Don't wait until the last minute to get out and find that monster you've been dreaming about. Come to Neil's RV first. Neil's RV is having a special for all you hunters out there ready to hit the hills and get that pre-scouting in. We have new and pre-owned travel trailers, fifth wheels, and tent trailers for this year's hunt. And don't forget about our warranty forever. You just can't beat it. Bring in your tag, share a fun hunting story, and get an additional $500 off any unit. Visit us at any of our three locations, St. George, Hurricane, or NielsenRV.com. Happy hunting. 
Utah once again lights up St. George, September 2nd through the 7th, celebrating 10 years of bringing documentaries from all over the world with subjects touching us all in different ways with laughter and tears and opens our eyes to the world. 65 films from 30 countries. Frank Sinatra was Mr. Palm Springs for 36 years. This was such an enclave for celebrities. The perfect retreat. All of the actors and writers and producers. Built New York, New York for JFK. JFK decided not to stay there. The real innovators of Silicon Valley. In 1990, there was no digital telecommunications industry. It did not exist. There were no digital cell phones. There was no World Wide Web. General Magic creates what happens after the personal computer. So much of what came out of General Magic is the foundation of everything we take for granted today. Tickets at DocUtah.com. Dr. Hall has retired from Imagine Family Dentistry. Thank you, Dr. Hall, for your 42 years. And welcome, Dr. Barton. Imagine talking about baseball and singing classic rock at the dentist. Imagine a stress-free experience and not worrying about dental insurance billing. Imagine saving money every visit, even if you don't have dental insurance. Dr. Barton at Imagine Family Dentistry is the dentist that can speak your language and take care of your dental needs. Dr. Barton loves baseball. He knows all the facts and figures, and he'll make sure you know all the facts and figures about your dental care. He'll tell you what you need. You tell him what you want. He loves classic rock and roll. He can name that tune before you do, and he can see the dental treatment you need before it becomes painful or costly. Imagine a dentist's office where there is no pressure. That's what you get with Dr. Barton. Make an appointment at 435-656-1111 or go to ImagineFamilyDentistry.com. Imagine more. All the heat is here, and if your garage isn't cooled with the ductless Mitsubishi cooling and heating unit, it's likely to become as empty as the desert outside. Let the pros at Air Care Professionals help you reclaim your space by installing a Mitsubishi electric ductless heating and air conditioning unit today. And purchase a ductless system from Air Care Professionals this month and get up to $300 off and 0% equipment financing options OAC. Call the pros at 628-2423 or online at aircarepros.com. And thank you for voting them best of Southern Utah. Want to participate? Participate in stock market gains with zero risk? Join Lyle Boss of Boss Financial Saturday mornings at 9 on St. George News Radio 1450. I'm Dr. Cecilia Burrington. If you're among the 40% of Americans 50 and older not getting tested for colorectal cancer, you're out of excuses. The government will now require insurance companies to cover virtual colonoscopies and other less invasive tests. Talk to your doctor to see which of these tests is right for you. Don't be one of the 50,000 Americans to die from a largely preventable disease. For more information on virtual colonoscopy, visit radiologyinfo.org. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show.
Welcome back. You're listening to The Kate Daly Show. I'm talking a little bit about America at its roots and taking that from old letters, old um, old books, old records that talked about the struggle for many to come over to this country. Um, and we're talking about the white guy, too, because we've been up against this very, very harsh, you know, white privilege thing. And I, I, all, all of us are going, white what? Um, because all along the way, uh, throughout our, our history, um, even before we became a country, um, everybody has struggled. Everybody has struggled to um, to achieve, to to search for freedom, to have all of those the things that we have, and and nobody's immune to that. And I think all of us sort of look at it that way. It's like, well, we're all here. We're all trying. We at least have this aspect of, of America still that is this this promise. This is why people are still clamoring to come here. But right now they're trying to paint our history and our books and everything a totally different way. And I really wanted to strike at the core of that. That's why I talked about uh, slavery in the beginning, how it was there were many Quakers and, and Quaker congregations that actually set up the Underground Railroad um, with with side by side with free blacks and free um, and, and those that had, had already escaped. It took the effort of all of those people to make that happen. Um, it wasn't solely about, uh, about just black people devising that. People worked hand in hand, and they have for centuries. There have been people, but there's also been also, of course, um, when you get into language or when you get into sort of the, you know, assimilation, if you will. And, and what did this mean to become American? Because they still had, you know, slurs in the form of Swensky jokes and, you know, with lisping accents for the Europeans and the stereotype of that stoic, slightly thick headed Nordic, you know, and, and, and all of these things. And then also you had the people that were unable to speak um, unaccented English when they came over and I'm talking about more of more or less the 1800s at this point because when they came over they were still dealing with all of these things everybody deals with these things right and and certainly it was worth coming here because of what we of what this country could offer people that no that no oppressive government in another country could offer and that was the idea of America but what we're turning it into today is just it boggles my mind that we have youth that are believing it. And I hope youth are listening to this program today to kind of get an understanding of what this was like. Um, and and so you had people that would cry because they couldn't, um, you know, they really wanted their kids to understand English. They really wanted to assimilate. They didn't quite know how to do it. It took a couple of generations. And they wanted to put their European ties away and desperately become what was known as American. This got pushed a lot towards the First World War when people uh, were becoming, they, you know, they had the push for patriotism, the push to, to make sure that you were not a hyphenated American, as Roosevelt said. You were not a hyphenated American because they, they wanted to make sure an American was just an American. Um, and so um, they also wanted uh, to make sure that socialism was this, uh, that, that people understood that the baggage that they were coming over to this country with was their old ideology and how it was affecting them in this country, because it truly was. And so many immigrants, especially the Europeans, were arriving at the turn of the century with this allegiance to what they called the Social Democratic Party. And they felt oppressed. Um, you know, uh, they had felt oppressed, and that's why they came, but it was hard to rid themselves of this. This is why when we go through a vetting process in America and why open borders are not such a great idea is because 
when you when you come here, you want people to understand what they are now becoming a part of and to shed the socialism that they have just come from. Um, now we have the we have a party here that and, and also on the right, too. I can't I can't exclude them. People are really wanting to push this whole idea of bigger and, and more government um, to become more oppressive. And that's on both sides of the aisle, folks. So um, uh, so. So the you still had a very, very small percentage wanting to become part of the socialist and communist parties that were that were here, which was unfortunate. But there was a huge push to say to people, leave your socialist baggage at the door when you get to America. And like I said, when the First World War uh, broke out, there was this uh, um, they they actually uh, many Europeans thought that the war was morally wrong, that it was an imperial competition between capitalists for world markets. And uh, and they really had strong feelings about that. They were also not okay with the uh, uh, Treaty of Versailles. They actually opposed it. Um, Swedes and Finns tended to be pro-German. And from the days of Peter the Great, Swedes had feared Russia. And Finland had the uneasy position of that buffer state between the two countries. And Finns hoped for freedom from Russia, supporting a victorious Germany. And so uh, from the viewpoint of their native histories, the Swedes and the Finns could believe that Russia was fighting for democracy or the rights of the smaller nations, but they also, the Swedish language press often was very critical of United States foreign policy. You had a lot of this going back and forth, and I don't think, I don't know if people realized how hard it was for people coming over here uh, that didn't shed their their native uh, history and, and language and so forth, but trying to become an American was difficult. They still had strong ideas about about foreign policy, about, about the um, entanglements with these other countries that they had been having to endure and be exposed to. So um, there was also, you know, of course, the the um, uh, freed from this sort of union of, of church and state uh, as they came to America to find that religious freedom. Um, tensions were developing, too, in religious circles, and you had different factions, and you had um, a lot of people that had to work through a lot of different issues when it came to allowing that, because in theory, it was a great idea until you got here, and you realized that along with freedom comes that responsibility, too, and also becomes uh, a measure of let people uh, you know, be who they are. Let people seek after what they want to seek after. And so that's really important, too. There was a tense, tense atmosphere of, about the war and suspicion of things, um, uh, political manipulations and um, how people felt about this. But, yes, Roosevelt came out in and, and talked about no hyphenated Americans, you know, prove your loyalty. You know, the Viking bakery company on the on the West Coast was offering Uncle Sam's victory bread. And, I mean, all kinds of things that you can imagine that they were um, sort of being prodded into into making sure that they would prove their loyalty to this country. And so we could do a whole show on that alone. But I really just I, I wanted to talk about their, you know, of course, the Treaty of Versailles horrified a, a lot of people over here at the time that had just come from that. And, and through just a few generations still remembered uh, the history and were very bothered. The Finns had won their independence uh, from the, during the Bolshevik res, re, uh, uh, revolution, and so uh, Sweden's vulnerability, you know, to Finland and, and their opposition to that war, uh, and they were faced with this become one hundred percent Americanism, 
and there was a patriotic sort of hysteria that actually sort of went away because of the distraction and the worries of the uh, Great uh, Depression. But nuclear family was at the core. There was, uh, you know, there was just a a great idea about family. In fact, um, you know, women um, at the time actually had a lot more opportunity opportunity than your feminists of today will tell you. I mean, your feminists of today will act like, you know, they were the slave of the, of the century and they, and they were not actually, they had a lot of opportunities. They formed a lot of, um, societies. Um, they, uh, had the ladies societies had all kinds of societies, which served pur- spiritual purposes. And also, uh, regardless of social class, anyone was, was welcome to go, uh, to that. And then it was the mother really in, in the 1800s who kind of sought to, to make sure that, that kids were exposed to spiritual life. And so if only one parent was going, it was usually the mom and the mom was there, uh, with the children to make sure that they were raised in an environment where they were getting the these value systems, and that was very, very important to them, and that was at the core of, of our American history. Um, and you had young people societies where they were visiting the sick, and, and they were um, very invested in volunteering to help each other, and ice cream socials and, and, and things like this were very, very important at the time. And so uh, you had hostilities between church people and socialists. Boy, nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I right? Um, the churches in Portland were really concerned uh, in Portland and all across the United States with spiritual needs and health and education. And that was their primary concern. And, and check this out. Uh, many of the hospitals across the United States were financed by churches. The hospitals were financed by churches and uh, and the, the projects were so successful that the reverends sometimes took out options on on the property and then they would put together a board of directors because it was successful. And then, um, in fact, at, at one hospital on the West Coast, surgery was on the second floor. And so the reverend and the the people in the congregation would actually carry the patients up to surgery. But that's how that was covered in schools. Schools were actually, they came by way of donations from businesses. The businesses paid for the schools, not the government. That's a really important factor in this, that a lot of people don't realize how we solved problems back in the day and that this actually worked. Um, in fact, there were businesses poning up thousands of dollars and uh, for a college, for a school, they made sure and just donated the money without that uh, heavy, heavy influence or control. That came in the 1900s when it, become, when it became very, um, you know, governmentalized. <laughs> so... Looking back and, and, and looking at our, um, our history and understanding what America's all about, when people came here, that freedom was so important that everything else I've mentioned, all the other things they went through, you know, the, the slurs or the, or the different uh, problems between all the different companies and their various lang- or, or countries and their various language and assimilating was secondary to the main reason that we even came. And the main reason we came was for freedom. Regardless of color or origin or country, you were here because of a specific reason. And that was opportunity to work and become who you were going to become which we have an obvious history of 240 years later. So it was that. It was religious freedom to worship 
without being told that you had to pay for a certain religion or show up on Sunday to a certain religious sect. Those were the two things. Those were the two reasons they came. And they came in boatloads. And they came over because they wanted to experience something different for their families. And we all get that. And this is why we have a vetting process, too, so we can leave the socialist baggage behind and come here and understand what it is to be an American. I feel like many that that barge the border, many that, that just come over, never even take the opportunity to understand why the country was an opportunity. Why is this country so important? It was just to them, it was just the dollar signs or you can get a better job here. But why was that? This is what we miss in talking to our youth. The reason that capitalism, the free market was freed up to work here to absolutely create that opportunity is what uh, they come over. And this is what the founders had a problem with was that we wouldn't be able to see that, that we wouldn't shore that up and protect it. We are not a racist nation. We are a nation of a lot of people coming together for a long period of time that knew what this was about, that recognized the gift, and that wanted a better life. There's nothing wrong with vetting, and there's nothing wrong with borders, and I hope that we remain that sovereign nation to be able to have this gift, because once we aren't, anymore. Once we don't have that anymore, we cease to be America. We just cease to be it. And then where do we go? Because this gave a lot of people a lot of hope for a long time because we could, they could come here and they still do. But if we don't have America, then what do we have? We don't have anything. There's no other place to go. I leave you with this today on a Friday and hope that we have a better understanding of our history, a better understanding of the struggle of of what it was like to come here, our history that has been skewed. A lot of people came together to construct this nation and to make changes in this nation that became obviously in a very quick way so important to all of us. Let's not forget that. Everybody have a great weekend. Be faithful, be fearless. See you back here on Monday. And uh, I appreciate your time today. It's fun kind of going in the way back machine. Everybody have a great one. Hey, Carl Lamar with Newbie Buick reminding you to take advantage of their back-to-school sale going on right now featuring a 2019 Sierra 1500 Summit White Crew Cab Short Box 4-Wheel Drive SLT $13,758 off. Right now it's 41272 Stock number 08686. Choose a 2019 Sierra 2500 HD Ebony Twilight Metallic Color Crew Cab Standard Box 4-Wheel Drive SLT Duramax Turbo Diesel Weekday afternoons, rub shoulders with trusted voices of truth and insight. The American Mutso Show with Eric Mutsos. The Read Hour with Lawrence W. Reed. Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. And Stranger Than Fiction with Ralph DeLugas. Right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network.